Today's episode is sponsored by Adam and Eve. You know, I read so many stories about cheating partners and unhappy marriages. Maybe people wouldn't be in such unhappy relationships if they spent more time nurturing their love life. That's why you should check out today's sponsor, Adam and Eve. They've got toys for men, toys for women, and toys for... How should I put this? Well, it's not exactly r slash am I the butthole. More like r slash I'm in the butthole. And yeah, I realize that ordering adult toys can be a little scary because you may be concerned about privacy. Don't worry, Adam and Eve offers discreet and free shipping for your package. Trust me, these people are experts in your package. You can get 50% off on just about any item, along with free shipping and rush processing. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy or anything you desire. Then enter code R slash at checkout. That's R slash R S L A S H at adamandeve.com. This is an exclusive offer specific to this podcast, so be sure to use code R slash to get your discount, plus 100% free shipping, and get it fast with rush processing. Use code R slash. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where OP gets a fat $18,000 payday for just three days of work. Our next Reddit post is from Erica Strada. I'm a contractor at a big bank in New York City. I don't get any benefits, but I'm paid by the hour. I like the people I work for, and I realize I get paid well. So I try to make sure they get their money's worth. For context, my normal manager was off on vacation, so I had a substitute manager. On the Friday before a three-day weekend, I was told by one of the managers that one of my applications was malfunctioning in production and that it absolutely needed to be fixed pronto. This application was tested to a crazy degree. So the first thing I did was call up the server administrator and ask what was different between our test and the production systems. After poking around a bit, I think I find the issue. The administrator, a friend of mine, tells me that she can't make that change without her manager's approval. He's kind of a know-it-all type of guy. Fine, I tell my manager what I think the problem is, assuming that he'll go to bat for me, but instead he tells me, Stay as long as it takes, including giving up your weekend to ensure that it's working. Long story short, that know-it-all manager proceeds to make my and his two employees' lives miserable all weekend. I keep suggesting the problem that I think is causing the issues, and he keeps telling me, there's no way that's it, and suggests dumb strategy after dumb strategy. I keep telling my manager what's happening, and he keeps telling me to work it out and stay as long as I need to. Finally, late one day, my friend says, I'm just gonna try your fix without telling him. And, surprise, it fixes the problem. It took less than two minutes. When my manager got back from vacation last week, he called me over to his desk. He had just gotten the bill from the contracting firm, and he seemed pissed. I had billed for three extra eight-hour days. He said, I just have one question. Where'd you sleep? On the couch in the waiting room. Okay, thanks. Earlier today, my normal manager came over with an envelope, and when he handed it to me, he said, I would tell you to thank Mr. Know-It-All Manager for this, but since it came out of their budgets, maybe best not to. Don't spend it all in one place. 
The envelope he gave me was a check for my regular pay, plus almost $18,000. My manager had to drain their budgets to pay me for forcing me to work overtime three days on the weekends. When I later told my manager that I felt bad, he said, you shouldn't. You taught them a very valuable lesson in server technology that they obviously missed. Did I mention that my manager used to be a programmer himself? Jeez, OP. 18k over 3 days, so that's 6k per day. 6,000 divided by 8 hours of work is $750 per hour. Wait, hold on. If overtime is typically time and a half, does that mean OP's normal rate is $500? OP, do you make 500 bucks an hour? My god! Our next Reddit post is from Rotom Roomba. This happened my freshman year of college about 20 years ago. My university had just invested in a big new dining hall, and to help pay for their investment required all students to buy a 150 meal plan both semesters. This was a big financial burden being from a lower middle class family, but my parents pulled funds to help me out and make it happen. Shortly into my first semester, I found out from friends that the meals you didn't use don't roll over. Since I lived off campus, I knew that I wouldn't be able to use them all. As I was heading into November, I realized that I would end up with 60 to 75 meals left over. And I complained about this a lot to family and friends because it seemed like such a waste. In comes the plan. My freshman year of college was also my cousin's senior year, and we hung out pretty often. He was the biggest trickster slash prankster type you ever met. One night while we were drinking, he says, What if you brought a bunch of homeless people to use up your meals? How much would that piss off those righteous bastards? We laughed about the idea all night, but the more I thought about the idea, the more I really started to like it. We talked all weekend about it and hatched a plan. On Monday morning, we went down to the local Salvation Army around the corner. I've grown to really despise this organization, but in the early 2000s in small town USA, it's all that we had. We told the lady at the desk that I would like to feed people in need with my meal plan. She was hesitant at first, but she said that she was working with people that this would be a huge blessing to, especially during the holiday season. She helped me organize two days the following week, where around 30 people would meet me to eat at the dining hall. I would wear a certain hat so they could find me, and we'd all go eat. The day finally arrived, and all kinds of people were there. There were homeless people in tattered clothes. There were families with kids that seemed excited to eat out. There was even one family I'll always remember that seemed embarrassed to take a handout. But I made an effort to talk to everybody and make them all feel welcomed. At noon, we went to the dining hall. I walked up to the lady at the entrance and said, These people are with me. They're my friends. I'd like to swipe them in. She looked confused, but reluctantly said okay. To say that we got every reaction humanly possible would be an understatement. There were staff members that were obviously annoyed with the influx of diners. There were students who were laughing. There were students that were giving me a silent clap. There were snobbish faculty members that seemed to be disgusted at the type of people coming into the dining hall. I didn't care at all. Eventually, a head staff member came up to me and said they knew what I was doing and they didn't like it. I said, these are my friends and they're eating with me. I paid for these meals, am I doing anything wrong? But she was stumped. The next day, the same situation happened with the same reactions. It seemed that I'd caused quite a stir on campus, and it just so happened that the university president was eating there that day. 
she came up to me and said even though she would ask that I not tell my friends to do the same thing with their meals because the staff couldn't handle the influx of diners, she was proud that her students had the heart to do something for others like that. The following semester, I did the exact same thing. I even used my meals sparingly so I could bring more people. The one memory that will always stick out in my head is the family with the little kids who were so excited to go to the pizza bar and soft serve ice cream machine, giggling the whole time. To this day, it's still one of the proudest moments of my life. Me and my friends and family still have a drink and chuckle over the story and the snooty angry reactions I got. And as a quick public service announcement, there's an app called Share Meals, which does this exact thing. So if you're a college student who has excess meals, you can use the app to find people who need those meals. Our next Reddit post is from Knock Nurse. A few years back, I worked on a relief crew on a drilling rig. The rig ran 24 hours a day with three shifts. The crew worked six days and then had two days off. My crew would replace a working crew so they could have their two days off, and we worked morning two days, then afternoons, and then nights. It was common to find someone who would cover your shift if you wanted an extra day off, but the replacement had to have the same abilities as you. A crew had to have a driller, a derrick hand, a motor man, a chain hand, and a floor hand. People started as a floor hand, and as they learned, they would work their way up to more responsibility and more pay. Sometimes, when someone changed companies, they might take a lower position, so it was common to have someone with derrick hand capabilities working motor or chain. In September, my wife asked about my chances of taking off time for Christmas. I checked the calendar, and my days off fell on December 24th and 25th. Done deal. I have it scheduled off. Then, I decided to sweeten the pot. I found a guy who would work December 22nd and 23rd for me. I also found another guy who would work the 26th and the 27th. With six days off, I could drive 400 miles to visit family, so things were looking pretty sweet. Too sweet. The other guys on my crew were in the same position, so they all tried to find replacements, and two were successful. Unfortunately, the driller only had three guys on the rig who would work for him, and none of them wanted to help. He got mad and said that since he couldn't get the time off, then none of us could get time off. I reminded him that he had already approved the schedule, and he said that change was cancelled and if I didn't work on the 23rd, then I'd be fired. I told him, fine, I'll work the 23rd, but that'll be my last day of work. Consider this my three months notice. At work, nothing much was said over the next few weeks. Outside of work, I was networking and I found another job that I could start the first week of January. Everything was set. At the end of my shift on the 23rd, I emptied my work locker and said my goodbyes. The driller barely acknowledged me. I went home and drove out to see the family the next day. I spent a week relaxing there and then came back to start my new job. Around the end of January, I went to a friend's birthday party. There, I saw one of my old crew. He asked me when I was going to come back to work. Apparently, the driller thought that I was just sulking around and I'd come crawling back soon. He never hired a replacement, and they had been working shorthanded for over a month. I said that he better hire somebody. I wasn't playing games, and when I say I quit, I mean it. So this guy didn't want to cover you for two days, and as a result, had to cover you for one month? What a doofus. Our next Reddit post is from Abe Tuhanu. I work as a cashier at a commissary, which is a military grocery store. The way that we handle proof of membership is by scanning the customer's ID card at the cash register. We have the ability to bypass this for workers who aren't in the military, but only for items that'll be consumed on site. 
On a slow day, I decided to go on my scheduled break a few minutes late, because most of our cashiers were out on break already. After that, I closed up and turned in my till. Apparently, the lady in the cash office didn't like this because she started to mutter about us taking breaks whenever we liked. Now, I'd like to point out that not only did we have six cashiers just come back from break, but we only had like three customers in the past hour. Additionally, if we didn't handle breaks ourselves, then we would have to leave work early or accrue overtime. And lord help you if you got so much as a minute of overtime. Now, being the nice guy that I am, I ask her if she wants me to open my till back up. She then spends the next five minutes ranting about how we just come to work to take breaks and that we don't follow directions. Finally, she takes my till and I go on break. But she really pissed me off when she accused me of lying during her rant. Still, there wasn't much that I could do. Or so I thought. Come the end of my shift, who should I see but that same cash office teller with a cart full of groceries in my lane? I wait for her to unload all of her groceries before I ask her for her ID. She says that she left her ID in the car and I should just bypass it. Since she had just been scolding me about my lax work ethic, I stand firm. I never would have expected what happened next, but the memory still warms my shriveled heart. She starts going through the five stages of grief. I've chosen a few lines from each stage because they lasted an average of four minutes each. First stage, denial. Oh, you don't really need my ID, do you? Stop playing around. Second stage, anger. My husband serves in the military. Of course I have my ID. Who do you think I am? Third stage, bargaining. Please, I know you do this for other workers. Just do it this once. Fourth stage, depression. Do I really have to walk all the way to my car to get my ID? And finally, after 20 minutes of me alternatively ignoring her and citing policy, she reaches the last stage, acceptance, and begins loading her groceries back into her cart. Our next Reddit post is from Lulu Ginger Spice. It's a tale as old as capitalism. My job, which to be fair, I freaking adore working at and I'm so grateful for and happy at, requires a doctor's note because I've been sick and working from home for two days. Now, I haven't just had a minor cold or a flu. Several days ago, I came down with the worst cold and flu symptoms you can imagine. And then things started going downhill from there. It got to the point where I've now been to the emergency room two days in a row because of tonsillitis and excruciating pain brought on by swallowing tiny sips of water. It is not great. And despite a whole battery of swabs and tests, the doctors don't know what the underlying bacteria or virus causing these symptoms is. Obviously, there's no way in hell I want to infect my coworkers with this plague. So I told HR that I'd be working from home until I'm feeling better, since my job can be done 100% remotely. They hit me back with the ever-famous, If you need to work from home for more than two days a week, you'll need a doctor's note since it's against policy. My first instinct was to just go into work, looking, sounding, and feeling like death warmed up. But A, I didn't want to infect my colleagues, and B, I legitimately believed that I would pass out on my walk to work and I would have to be taken to the hospital yet again. Instead, I spoke to the emergency room doctor from earlier this evening. I asked him how long he thought that I should work from home, and I told him that I needed a note so I could stay home. His expression had a brief flash of being vaguely furious. It was this look of, what the F? Clearly, he was upset that my job would force someone as sick as I am to come in and risk the health of those around me. 
Then he assured me that he would write the notes. I was thinking that it would just be a basic, OP should continue to work from home until the end of the week. Nah, bro came through for me. He wrote a note saying that I should be off of work for at minimum another week, then added this line. Infectious diseases require more time than two days to improve. Man, OP, you're still being too nice. You shouldn't be working from home. You should just be not working at home. That was our slash malicious compliance. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.